Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Mears. Now up. Down goes Duffy on Brett Mears does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. And we are in the same Pacific time zone today. I miss the friendly confines of my Boca Raton studio. I apologize for the darkness here if you're watching on video. But it is great to have you with us as we kick off a pay-per-view weekend style. It's Monday, July the 6th. The year is 2020. Shitty fucking year overall. It's episode 257 of the Anakin Florian podcast. What's up, my man? What's going on, dude? How is Vegas and when do you leave to Fight Island? Breaking news, my COVID-19 test is negative. I got the results Good. literally 20 minutes ago. Okay. So broadcast partners are clean as well. So we will be bordering, we will be boarding the charter tonight at 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, flying through the night to Abu Dhabi, and then flow a 48-hour quarantine once I get there. So I'm in a 36-hour quarantine right here at this hotel in Vegas, but okay. there's a little flexibility. I go see Paul Felder with a mask on and nobody's bothering me. But in Abu Dhabi, cases of water in every room, everything gets delivered to the room. Even if you are an athlete cutting weight, 48 hours, mandatory quarantine in your room. That's crazy. I, you know, I was thinking about that, uh, how I would deal with that if I was a fighter. I, I'd be going crazy. Not that I'm out and about, like, walking around like a madman, but, you know, you already have all this pent-up energy. You want to get out and get a workout in, and you got to do it all in your 
probably smelly room at that point uh, working out. That, that's going to be interesting, man. For a lot of the fighters in there having to be cooped up, uh, it's an interesting element. Right. A fighter I am not, right? So you're not going to hear me levying many commentator complaints when these athletes are trying to navigate a training situation three yeah. four days before a fight. I'm sure maybe there are some workout rooms or some things that are being done for the athletes, but I can tell you, like, Jared Gordon is competing on July 15th, and we flew together from Miami, and he's here right now, and presumably once he gets his negative test, at least he'll have the use of the parking lot. So, like, I can go for a run today as long, in the hotel parking lot. So I can yeah. go do 50 laps, but I can't run off the premises. It's just a crazy... Gotcha variable for I think a lot of these fighters especially the American fighters who didn't get a chance to compete in Vegas who are now going to fight Island it's a lot there's no doubt about it but I'm excited to go um you know there's always a little anxiety uh making sure you get that COVID-19 test back but it's negative so I'm going and uh a lot for us to get to today we got seven predictions from Ken Flo and Ian Parker in the main event challenge for UFC 251 we have a new main event it's been a crazy week let's get to headlines Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines on the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. So we do dedicate today's episode of the Anakin Florian podcast to the late Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov, who passed away over the last week due to complications stemming from COVID-19. And you see the fight game coming out with supporting words and honorary tributes and uh we're going to talk about it more with ray longo but kenny this man just had such an indelible impact on so many young wrestlers and athletes and certainly habib every chance he had a microphone he was putting his father over and talking about how much of a role he played in his athletic and and overall success as a human being and I'm so glad that they had that moment together at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi because there were visa issues that pre- prevented Abdulmanaf from coming to a lot of Khabib's fights in the U.S. And, you know, I'm glad they had that moment. But when you have a father-son bond as powerful as they do, and I know you and Dr. Florian are very close as well, um, this is like your best friend. This is uh, You're effectively walking into a new life after you lose your dad, and I know Khabib is probably having a really hard couple weeks right now. I can't even imagine. And I, and I wonder how this is going to affect him moving forward. Uh, um, That was not only uh, his father, but also his his main coach, really. That's the guy that has guided him from the very beginning. Um, Saying goodbye to uh, that man must be extremely difficult, and it's going to take a lot of time. This isn't a thing that's going to, you know, happen overnight. I, I imagine that this will probably push uh, Habib's next fight back quite a ways. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'd be surprised if he fights even within the next year, honestly. Uh, that, that is a lot to deal with, man. I can't even imagine. My heart goes out to their family. Uh, but uh, Abdulmanap has produced uh, perhaps, you know, the, the greatest fighter that we've seen in a very long time. You look at what he's done and the way that he's done it. Um, that is something that, uh, you know, he leaves his legacy here in, in his son, Habib. Uh, and not only that, he has mentored and coached, you know, hundreds and uh, oh, perhaps yeah. thousands of, of wrestlers and, and Sambo practitioners over the years. So I, I think that whole area of Dagestan is really hurting. Yeah. 
there are some powerful posts out there from Daniel Cormier and Ali Abdelaziz with some really thoughtful words that sort of encapsulate the man and all he meant to so many people. So I would encourage you to check that out. And I know Ray Longo reached out to me before the show because he wants to to talk about uh, the late, great Abdulmanab Nurmagomedov. So, uh, Khabib, just know that the whole MMA world, the two of us included, are certainly thinking about you uh, here during what is obviously a busy week for the MMA leader. And that brings us to UFC 251, Usman versus Burns. Oh, wait! UFC 251, Usman versus Masvidal. So for Gilbert Burns, this is obviously a tough pill to swallow. He has COVID-19. I believe he drove back to Florida, and hopefully this is a championship opportunity for him that comes around again. Um, But this was the fight that was building and brewing and was, in theory, going to headline International Fight Week here in Las Vegas. Kamar Usman against Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. And uh, if Masvidal is one thing, it's a guy who's willing to fight anybody pretty much anywhere and uh, certainly putting those words into action by accepting this fight against Kamar Usman on six days notice, Kit. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is not an ideal circumstance for Jorge Masvidal, but um, you know, you have to imagine he uh, you know, has prepared already, at least in his mind for this fight. He was getting ready for this fight. I know he had brought in some high-level wrestlers to get ready um, a few months ago, I don't know if he stayed in shape and all those things, but you have the weight cut, you have this whole COVID-19 testing, you have that long plane ride, you have the quarantine on 48 hours notice. If he is able to pull this off against who I believe is perhaps the toughest stylistic matchup for him in the yeah. division, um, I mean, he's already a legend, but this would just add to that uh, legendary status for sure. And I would have no choice at that point but to get the game bread tattoo, essentially. Right. right? <laughs> I mean, I've already had a conversation with George Mospidal about the game bread tattoo. So I've already agreed to get it, regardless of the outcome of this fight. But perhaps uh, perhaps if he does win, uh, that'll expedite the, uh, the game bread tattoo for me. We'll see. Maybe we'll make it official leading up to the fight. But a lot is being made of the Mospidal side of things, Ken Flo, right? everything that he has to go over in terms of hurdles and obstacles to get to fight night to compete against this guy, Kamar Usman, who's fucking 11 and 0 in the UFC, who had barely lost a round in the UFC before he fought Colby Covington last December. But how about the Kamar Usman side of this, right? Leaves his training camp, which he could now go back to in theory. He could get Henry Hoof to come corner him now, I guess, if he wanted to. Um, But what type of fight do you think that Usman was preparing for? Because I believe that he was preparing for a kickboxing match. Certainly it stands to reason that Burns was going to be attempting takedowns more than Masvidal would. Um, but, I mean, do you think that that Usman, knowing the guy upstairs that he is, would have taken this fight, which is on short notice for him, if he didn't think the preparation was, was if not optimal, at least pretty damn good? Yeah, listen, I, I think it's a much different fight for him. I, I think it's an easier fight for him. Uh, it's crazy because you look at the way Masvidal matches up against Burns. That's a great matchup for him. I think Burns matches up really well against Usman, but then Usman matches up really well against Masvidal. So you know, right. the way you look at the way this is whole this whole thing has played out is absolutely crazy. Uh, but I think for Usman, I think this is pretty much you know, a game plan that he has followed throughout his career. I, I think that he's not going to try to uh, do a kickboxing match with someone uh, like right. a Masvidal. I, I think he should not do that anyway. Right. I think right. that's exactly right. What you said, he was preparing for that kind of fight against someone like Gilbert Burns. But right. as far as game planning, this is something he's been doing for the majority of his career. Use his strikes to get to the clinch, 
lean on your opponent, get him up against the cage, take him down, beat him up, rinse, wash, repeat. And that's right. what he needs to do against Masvidal here. So I think in a lot of ways, it's why he was so excited to take on someone like a Jorge Masvidal. You have this huge name. This guy's got a lot of momentum behind him. He's yep. a smaller welterweight, and he's a guy that I think he probably has beaten in his mind or at least uh, at some portion of his career already. So I right. think Usman's going to head into this very confident. Now, you kind of talked about some of the hiccups uh, that he had for this camp. He did have to go to Colorado. It's a totally different camp. That is that could definitely throw a wrench in his plans as well. Having different people in your corner, having different yeah. preparations uh, can throw a fighter off as well. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that affects Usman in this one. So I just got a text. The latest odds at the Superbook here in Las Vegas. Kamaru Usman has swelled to a minus 300 betting favorite. So we'll have more on that in the main event challenge. But I think that dovetails with a lot of what you're saying in terms of the matchup, that it does appear to be a favorable one for Kamaru Usman. But Jorge Masvidal is sort of uh, the consummate wild card for me. I just think he performs when the lights are at their brightest. And I also think when it comes to this resurrection and this Masvidal 2.0, there has been a stylistic change, Kenny, in terms of the aggression and the way he is approaching these fights, right? And obviously it's led to a lot of big paydays and uh, him becoming the superstar that a lot of us maybe thought he could become that he never became. Um but obviously, you got to be a little bit more measured, I would think, against someone like Kamaru. I mean, doesn't the first strategy have to be like you can't let him near your leg, right? I mean, you need this to be contested on the feet, do you not? Yes, I would say with everything that Masvidal is dealing with and the fact that I believe, you know, it's his preparation that has allowed him to become successful. Everything seems to be coming together at the right time for him. But I would also add it's his propensity for not giving a shit which yeah. has allowed him right, to right. also be successful and to get all these finishes that he that he's been getting. So I think he definitely needs to weigh a little bit more heavily on not giving a shit in this fight yeah. against Usman and just right. fucking go for it. He's taking this fight on seven days notice. If he becomes too measured and waiting for the takedown and trying to make this a five round right. fight, right. I think it sets him up for disaster. I think that's what has plagued Masvidal for a majority of his career is when he tries to think way too much and he tries to calculate too much. I know I've suffered from that a little bit in my career. You have to be able to balance that savagery with the the mental approach as well. Um, yeah. And I think in this case, I think for me, he's got to lean a little bit more towards the savage side here against Usman. Because you know Usman's going to come in here very consistent, doing what he normally does, it's yeah. going to be something crazy on the part of Masvidal that throws Usman off, in my opinion, um, yeah. given given the, the short notice uh, of this fight. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. You're getting me excited. And uh, there are just so many fascinating angles to this, not the least of which is the fact that as I sit here at this host hotel in Las Vegas with all the athletes who are competing on Wednesday, July 15th, Paige Van Zant and everybody else who is competing at UFC 251 is already in Abu Dhabi, right? And Kamar Usman is still here with us, and I believe he's going to be on our charter tonight to go quarantine for 48 hours once he gets there. So fascinating to see how this fight week plays out. But uh, we have a new main event, and it is a damn good one between Jorge Masvidal and Kamar Usman. And I'd imagine Ray Longo has a thought or two on the new-look UFC 251 pay-per-view. Let's get to the Ray Longo minute. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business, and it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. 
And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 100 nights a year, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If you're listening on iTunes, you got to go to YouTube right now. What's the matter? (laughs) <laughs> it's Super Mario from Mario hey, Brothers. Come on, what the hell is going on? We need ratings on that this show. Isn't yeah. We need ratings. The mustache equals ratings. How okay. good does that look? How's Have you ever look? had a mustache in your life? No. This is the first one. The coat is fucking great. Only because you have one, I had to get one now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Are you going to keep that on for the whole Ray Longo minute today? That'd be great if you did. I think we're going to try it, yeah. I think <laughs> this is what this is what I'm going to do. Every week I'm going to have a new mustache for you. It looks I so good. It. I love it. It really does <laughs> look great. So what do you think about my mustache, Ray? Do you like it? I like it. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll take it with us to Fight Island. So uh, so how you doing, man? Jorge Masvidal in, Gilbert Burns out. What do you make of the new main event for UFC 251? We were just talking about it. Man, I tell you, I love the fight. I, I hope Masvidal was training. That's it. You know what I mean? I mean, I think jumping in at the last minute against a guy like Usman obviously is dangerous. But, you know, Hoy's one of those guys. He's going to fight you on the street. He's gonna. It doesn't matter. So I, I, that's what I love about it. I think he's a relaxed guy. And if anybody could do it, he could do it. So I think it makes for a great fight. It probably bring more eyeballs to the fight now, too, you know? This mustache am, isn't distracting. I it's, am so <laughs> caught off guard by the the fake mustache that you're wearing. It's just so interesting, Ken Flo, because <laughs> Kenny. in That's the amazing. 1970s and 80s, when Kenny and I were growing up in Massachusetts, every dad had a mustache, right? And yeah, now yeah, in yeah. 2020, it's like a big deal when a guy wears a mustache. So yeah, I look like uh, I'm, I'm going to have this for eternity. At this point. I look like uh, John Holmes minus the penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, oh, he's laughing and it's fucking falling off. I mean, I can't even do the show anymore, if I'm being honest. Oh, I, I got better. That's better. <laughs> so, now, now uh, so I don't want to kill the buzz necessarily, but I know you and I talked offline about Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov and just what a powerful individual he was in this MMA space in Dagestan. Certainly, it's highly publicized what role he had in Khabib's career, but this guy had an impact on hundreds of young men, and I think his loss as such is being felt really widely and deeply. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, not that I knew him, but I was around him a bunch of times, but 
really, when I thought about it, I really felt my first off condolences to Khabib. I think he's a great guy. I think, you know, he speaks well. He speaks, you know, shoots from the hip. He's not a bullshitter. He's not, you know, he's not acting, you know, inappropriately. He's always on the money, I think, with a lot of things. But his father had presence, man. I mean, like when that guy walked in a room, the two things I like, I think he had presence. And, man, he had all those young guys. They respected their elders. You could see they come from a good spot. And when that guy walked in, it was like John Gotti walking into a room. You know, you, something was going on. You know, and I remember being in Russia and turned around and there he was, you know, and he had all those, you know, the coaches and everything that was just such respect for the uh, I want to say they just respect their elders. And and the guy had presence, man. It was crazy. It was great to watch. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be sorely missed. You know, those guys are just very spiritual and everything. So, you know, they'll deal with it and get by. But. Uh, when that guy walked in the room, something was going on, you know, and that, that's my memory of, uh, of Khabib's dad, man. He seemed like a great guy. Not that I spoke with him at all, yeah. but definitely in the training rooms a couple of times. And in, in Russia, I remember eating at breakfast and just, it was like something was going on. You know what I mean? Like Paul McCartney was walking in. So yes. he, he had presence, man. He a hundred percent. I love the way the, the young people took care of him. They were almost like bodyguards. That's what it looked like to me. You yeah. Know? So. Man, I just send my, you know, just my prayers out to Khabib. I hope everything's good, and I hope they get through it, and I hope he gets back on track with his with his life as quick as possible. Yeah, I only met him once, but I think you hit on two themes that are really important. Just this overwhelming respect for the elder people in your life. Um, and also just the presence, right? Like, I was, like, starstruck around the guy, maybe because Khabib would speak so glowingly of him, but he was never, never able to corner him because of visa issues or whatever else. And, uh, right. then seeing him there at UFC two two forty two, he's like a larger than life guy. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to, to give you a chance to chime in on that. So, uh, all right. So I want to talk to you about Piotr Jan and Jose Aldo because it has relevance to your guy, Aljamain Sterling. Have you talked to Aljo? Um, does he does he think that Jan is a slam dunk here? What do you think about this Bantamweight title fight? And if you're Team Sterling and Team Sarah Longo, who do you guys want to see win this thing? Uh, no, we haven't really talked about it. I have seen Aljo, but we haven't talked about it. Fix your um, mustache. <laughs> Staying off. <laughs> we'll have to wait for next week and get another one on the right way. Just grow it out. Just grow it out. <laughs> grow it out. Uh, I'll tell you what. I, I'm surprised. Of the odds, they're, they're really heavily favored uh, Petey Jan. I, I think this is going to be a way closer fight than people think, but it's either going to be, I mean, I don't know. I, Aljo looked pretty good in his last fight. Technically, he looked good. I think Moraes is a big, strong kid, and that the fact that he weathered that storm, I think, I don't know. I, I think Aldo has a really good shot in this fight. I really do. I think he, he showed signs of that in the last fight, and I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that those odds are way off. I think there's a closer fight than the odds are making it. Ken Flo, I know you're going to make your prediction on this fight, so I don't want to steal too much thunder now. It's crazy to think it was almost 10 years ago that you fought Jose Aldo in October of 2011. Um, may not be given a chance, at least by the odds on paper, but I think a lot of people consider him a live underdog here. I mean, what do you think about the King of Rio in the spot against Piotr Jan without revealing who you're picking in the fight? Yeah, no, listen, I think uh, Aldo's got a great shot. Um, you know, they're, they're similar fighters in 
in the fact that they they're very patient, patient. They wait for their opening and they they pounce on you. Both guys have that ability. Both have knockout power. I think if Aldo can do the the same kind of job that he did, uh, cutting down to 135 pounds that he did in his last fight. Uh, I absolutely give him a great shot uh, to win that fight. Petrion is a handful. There's no doubt about it. I do think that Aldo has some tools that Petrion just hasn't seen before. Without it, without a doubt, I couldn't agree more. And I tell you, think about what he, what you just said, John. Right. Ten years ago, Kenny fought him like yeah. at, in his prime. No, 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 right. really. This is this is really right. no. This yeah. is right. serious though. No, no, yeah. I'm not. I wasn't going that way with it, Kenny. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying that. You fought the guy in his prime. Like, 10 years is a long time, and he's been in this game before Kenny fought him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's what, like, my right. point. Like, you look at Mayweather. Go back and look at Mayweather's fights from 2003, 2004. He was a different animal. People want to fight him at 40 years old? Are you kidding? He was still right. good, but he's not right. the guy you were looking at 15 years right. ago. Right. I mean, t- Kenny, when you fought him, I'm just saying it's a compliment to Kenny is what I'm yeah. saying. Oh, thank you. He fought him at, at, at the height of when he was, you know, unbelievable. You know what I mean? This is 10 years, and I still think the guy's got it, but it's not going to be the same. I'm saying the, the Jose Aldo that Kenny fought definitely wins this fight. He's not an yeah. underdog in this fight. There's no yeah. question about it. You know what I mean? So Kenny's hitting on it. If he can make the weight. Uh, like he did the first time, because I right. thought he looked pretty sharp. His counters yeah. were good. His head movement was good. His speed looked good. I think he's got a shot in that fight, 100%. And I, if that's what you call it, a live dog, then he's a live dog. Because yeah. if that weight cut goes good, he's going to be a handful for, uh, like Kenny said, I don't think Petey Yon's fought anybody near that ability yet. You know what I mean? So right. I, a, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that fight. Ken Flo is up 2-1 after 3 on my scorecard against Jose Aldo, by the way, for the record. Uh, so, Ray, before you came on, we were talking about Usman Masvidal and the preparations on both sides. And, and Jorge Masvidal is being given a lot of credit from the fan base, and rightfully so. I'd like to see Kamar Usman get, get some credit for taking the matchup. But a lot of people, Ken Flo included, believe that the Masvidal matchup is more favorable for Kamar Usman than the Gilbert Burns matchup would have been. It does eliminate the teammate angle, and all of a sudden there's a matchup here with real heat. I mean, do you see this stylistically as a significantly more palatable matchup for Kamar Usman than Gilbert Burns would have been or not? Uh, yeah, I do see it. as a, I Look, I love Masvidal. You know, I never pick against him. I just think the takedowns, and this other guy's been training. Now he's been out with Gaethje, so you know he's getting pushed to the limit by that guy. Uh, I think that's going to be the difference, Jorge. I'm sure he negotiated a good price for this fight, or so he would have definitely not have taken it. Right. Uh, so I don't like the last minute thing. I would have liked it more with a, you know, if he had a six week uh, camp. But uh, anything could happen. He's got five rounds to do it. But I think the the strong wrestling of Usman is going to be that's where, where the difference is in this fight. Where Burns had the jujitsu to maybe have reverse him or right. you know, similar to what happened with like um, Meyer and. Uh, uh, ben Askren, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, I think uh, I, I agree with you. I think this fight is more favors Usman than the Gilbert Burns fight for that reason. Yeah. I think the ground is what separates it. Right. And I mean, if you haven't been working your takedown defense and that, even the cardio that goes with that, that's a big deal. And I right. don't know where we don't know where Masvidal's been. Maybe right. he's been in the gym. Maybe he's got everybody fooled. He knew, you know, but when you have a Good training camp, and in Usman's not a joke. I mean, he looks like he takes stuff very seriously, and 
you know, he's with the right, he's, you know, he's always with a good team, but he's with, you know, he's very, you know, Trevor's very strategical. He's got good guys to push him down there, especially being Gaethje is one of them. So he's coming in prepared. I'm sure of that. And, uh, you know, Jorge loves to fight. You know what I mean? He's like, again, that's not going to be a problem. He's not going to, he's not going to have no jitters. He's not going to have any of that. He's going in there to fight. I'm sure he's, He's calm as a cucumber right now, but yeah. can he deal with the wrestling? The longer that's on its feet, the long obviously the longer it, Jorge's got a shot to get him out of there. I mean, if they stand up, Jorge should have a I, I'm going to say a noticeable uh, yeah. advantage. You know, it depends on how he can scramble back to his feet. You know, yeah, can't wait to see it all play out. And then for you, we got August eighth, right? Chris Weidman fighting Omari Akhmedov. Is that correct? That's correct. How's Chris and, doing? And I think uh, Chris is looking good. Yeah, I mean, he'll be coming in later today. He's doing, uh, saw him over the weekend. He's uh, we're, Right now, we're off to a very good start. So you're home right now, or are you at the gym? No, I'm at the gym, actually. Uh, I, came gym down right to do, I, I came down to do this podcast at the gym because I had my mustaches down here. Ah, that's right. I go wherever got, the mustache goes. That's John. right. I don't know if you know that. Do you have any uh, N95 masks there at the gym? Do you yes, have any masks? Good. I'm going to wear Hold on a second. Gonna, you guys will be the first to see this. It's unbelievable. This is amazing. What I'm about to do. I sound like Trump amazing. I mean, you honestly, do. that was like amazing. a spitting. This is unbelievable. <laughs> it's the best mask out there. How's that? Yes. Oh, come on, baby. I got to send is, you guys some of these. This is the best race ever looked. Actually, this is, uh, this is that's what everybody says. Kenny. The most handsome you've ever seen. I've ever seen you. Oh, was that a compliment? I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's, it's both. I don't know. Those are awesome. You know, what's even worse. Focus I'm on those, put this, those beautiful eyes of yours. You know, what's worse, John. I'm going to put this back in the in the bag and somebody's going to buy it. Because <laughs> I'm responsible. What can yeah. I say? I'm a responsible guy. <laughs> Well, hey, I just wish uh, I had one of those to represent in Abu fact, Dhabi. You might, get, you might get this one. I'll send it, I'll send it, I'll send it to Sarah. Did you see him yet? Uh, no. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my Lord. How are we doing? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, my because I really can't see. I need a mirror. I think John froze, uh, John froze up gonna, on us. Uh, did he I froze I, up on us. Come freeze, on. Yeah. We serious. are having a terrible Be day. Oh, my God. Come on, TJ. This is gold. Oh, don't. Uh, easy, I Doc like... Brown. This has nothing to do with me. <laughs> Dye that hair look... white and get a new flux uh, capacitor, all right? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. look, I, I look like Eugene Levy in Splash. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? This has really disintegrated with the mustache uh, on the forehead. Ray Ford. I don't know. What am I all doing? Right. So, uh, all right, last thing, I promise, right? Last I thing. mean, what I don't want to know. You can have are, a couple of things. Well, what are we doing with the hair? I mean, do you even give it any thought anymore, or no, no, are we just no, letting no, it go? No thought. I'm just going right down the shit like the rest of my career. <laughs> That's where it's going. It's actually leading oh. the way of where my career is going after I put a mustache <laughs> on my cheek. Yeah. <laughs> You know, our listeners see this side of you, and they obviously see the tender side as well when we're talking about Abdul Manap or whatever. But, Ken, I got to tell you, I got a phone call from Ray Longo on my birthday saying all these nice things about my wife and my family. I'm like, who yeah. is this fucking guy? You know? No, that, no, that, that, that's actually the real me. And that, fortunately, that's the real me. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is part of it. 
I so I went downstairs and told my wife all these wonderful things, and I was like, he's saying that I'm like one of the nicest guys he's ever met, and it's like my family knows me to not necessarily be that guy because <laughs> I have an identical twin who is just Mr. Congeniality, right? And who's much nicer consistently to the family than maybe I am. So when Chrissy heard that you said that I was like one of the nicest guys you've ever met, she's like, oh, maybe he should come over and see the other side of you, John. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That, that's any family, John. You know that. You yeah, know. no, it's true. I, I, could, I could never let my wife go loose because she'd reveal everything. I'd be, uh, again, yeah. it would be, uh, <laughs> I'd, lose, I'd lose a lot of fans. Raise yeah. the man. Raise the well, man either uh, way. Yeah. We love you, and uh, we're going to let you go. And uh, we might be doing a special Sunday show right after the pay-per-view this Sunday because I'm going to be in Abu Dhabi, and we're trying to get everybody on the same schedule. So there is a chance that we're going to recap UFC 251 let's, on let's Sunday. Do it. So All right. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll run away, Ray. All right, well, have a great day, buddy. We appreciate you. We love you, and we'll talk to you on Sunday or Monday, all right? Hey, listen, goodbye from me and goodbye from my mustache. My mustache <laughs> wants to say goodbye because my mustache to your mustache, John. I love John, you. seriously, get the sanitizer. Just, right. You got uh, <laughs> to go down. The COVID catcher. You got to go, give it the COVID yeah. scratch. Yeah. Down, <laughs> down. <laughs> the catch, the catcher's mitt is getting on the chart. I could always, say, so I could always count on Ken Flo. I, it doesn't uh, even it's matter. So I could always count on guys. <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy, man. And John, be safe and watch over Thank my little you, friend for buddy. me, please, because that guy could be out of control. Please watch I'll over my little do buddy. That. All right, take it easy, guys. See you, I right. got you bro. <laughs> there it is, Raymond Peter Longo on social media at Ray Longo MMA. Support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from the official Electric Razor of UFC, Manscaped. Have you ever had an awkward moment where you had to grapple with someone who had like a full bush coming out of their singlet? This is literally why I quit jujitsu. Well, thankfully, Manscaped has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy. Manscaped truly is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Their top-notch ball trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0 will keep you clean without all those nicks and cuts. They've also partnered up with top-tier MMA athletes like Max Holloway and Francis Ngannou and many others who understand that hygiene matters and also know what it takes to be the best. And so does this revolutionary men's grooming company, Manscaped. They just redesigned this Lawnmower 3.0. The ceramic blade won't cut your proprietary advanced skin safe technology accidents for me are now a thing of the past and we have a deal for our great listeners and viewers who are men out there because we don't want you using the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls so to get you there and get 20 percent off with free shipping the code is af go to manscape.com today that is 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code af thank you manscape.com for supporting mixed martial arts and its athletes worldwide all right you may have heard it's a pay-per-view week, UFC 251. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, UFC 251 is five sleeps away. We are now joined by Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA. We will update the scores from UFC Fight Night Poirier versus Hooker. And Ian, getting these decisions to hit ends up being a big swing, right? Poirier by decision. That was the swing fight. And Team Anik takes the week five to three. The overall lead for the duck-led squad is now 72 to 65. It's UFC 251. Usman versus Masvidal. We got seven selections today. 
And we begin with the featured prelim on ESPN. It comes your way in the light heavyweight division. The formal title challenger, Volkan Uzdemir, a minus 170 favorite. He welcomes the highly touted knockout artist, Yuri Prohazka, to the UFC. He's plus 150, and he'll put his 10-fight winning streak on the line here in his UFC debut. Ian Parker, Uzdemir, Prohazka, who do you like? I'm so glad that you said that name first because there was no chance I was going to get that right. Um, you know what? Having a debut in the UFC and going against a guy in Uzdemir is such a tall task for anybody. Uh, how do you not go Uzdemir here, especially at minus, I think it was 180 last time I checked. I think Uzdemir has the opportunity here to use his ground game, not get into a brawl. I think his fight IQ is risen. We saw it in the Latifi fight. We saw it in the Alexander Rackage fight. Um, I like Vulcan here 100%. I think that line should be way higher. I know his opponent is a dangerous striker, but Uzdemir right. is far the best of the best. Yeah, Ken Flo. So Uzdemir had that fight with Dominic Ray, a split decision in March of 2019, a fight obviously we've talked about. Many people thought he won, but it was the way that he responded to that disappointment that really impressed a lot of people. Alir Latifi, he finishes, and then he outpoints Alexander Rakic, and now all of a sudden he's back in light heavyweight contention. Uh, your thoughts on him here versus the newcomer from the Czech Republic, Prohaska? Uh, listen, I, you know, I don't use these words too often, but Prohaska is a nasty prick. Let me just tell you, out of his yes. last 10 fights, he has nine finishes. Um, this guy can strike. And I'm glad you brought you brought up the Dominic Reyes fight because I actually think on the feet, he's a more dangerous version of Dominic Reyes. Now, I don't think he's got the grappling chops necessarily to get it done. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think he's very vulnerable there. Not that uh, Uzdemir is this great submission artist, but positionally, I think Uzdemir, uh, you know, can probably ride out some uh, positions and side control or maybe mount and, and steal some rounds that way. But on the feet, as good as Uzdemir is and as good as as dangerous as he is on the feet, uh, Prohaska is just way better. Um, the way he puts together his combinations, he could fight going backwards uh, really well. Um, I'm actually, I need points. I like the six foot four, uh, guy from the Czech Republic. I think he gets it done. Uh, and hopefully he gives me some big points, but don't be surprised if this guy ends up fighting for the belt at some point. I'm telling you, Flo, I'm looking forward to sitting down with him and, and trying to figure out why it took him so long to get to the UFC because he is all the rage, at least in terms of the people that I'm talking to. And yeah. certainly he has a stiff test to the UFC debut against the Vulcan Ustami. All right, pay-per-view opener. Uh, it's going to be at flyweight, despite the fact that Amanda Hibas is a bona fide strawweight contender right now. She's minus 900 against the returning Paige Van Zandt, who comes back at plus 600 for what will be, I believe, the last fight on her UFC contract. So Van Zandt makes her UFC debut in 2014. Only eight fights, though, in six years. A lot of injuries, arm surgeries. Last fight, though, was a win and a finish came against Rachel Ostovich. That was back in January 2019. Any value on PBZ at plus 600? Or are you going chalky here with Amanda Hebos nearing minus 1,000 right now? I'm going so fucking chalky here. And, and it's not that, you know, Paige doesn't have a chance. She's a very talented fighter. But strategically wise for your career, if she wants to be a mixed martial artist and continue to fight in the UFC... You want to, this is supposed to be like your, uh, I guess, resurgence and you're fighting the hottest prospect 
in the women's division in a very long time. Ebos is so good everywhere, and I haven't seen too many weaknesses. Paige hasn't fought, like you said, since Asavich in January of 19. Before that, she lost to Jessica Rose Clark and losing to Michelle Waterson. I think this is a dangerous fight. I think the odds are a little wild here. I think it's because Paige probably hasn't fought in the injuries. But, yeah, I mean, if there's no spread here, Amanda Ebos, 100%, I think she gets it done here, and I think she's the next star. Okay. And Flo Hibas, 3-0 in the UFC, beat Randa Marcos in Brasilia March 14th when all this shit was, was hitting the fan with COVID. Um, Pahupa is here in Las Vegas. He got COVID-19. He was unable to corner Luis Pena on June 27th. He is her chief corner. Hopefully he'll be able to make it to Abu Dhabi. But what do you think about Amanda Hibas here and moving forward, kid? Uh, listen, I, I think uh, the UFC is kind of doing PVZ uh, dirty here. Uh, this is a tough matchup, man. Tough matchup after tough matchup. And and again, she's uh, right now trying to renegotiate her next contract. Uh, this is not the one you want to have before you renegotiate that contract. I just don't see it going well for her. Paige Van Zandt is as tough as they come. Um, she really has proven uh, to be extremely tough and determined. But skill-wise, I, I think she's just outgunned in every aspect in this fight. Uh, Amanda Hibas um, is, is going to be a handful everywhere. Uh, and I see uh, this really being her coming out party if, if it hasn't been shown already. All right, next up, we got a rematch of former strawweight champions, Thug Rose Namajunas, minus 200, Jessica Andrade, plus 170. Flo, we'll have you lead this one here. So Thug Rose hasn't fought since getting slammed by Jessica Andrade to lose the belt. That was UFC 237, May of 2019. Only time Thug Rose has ever been knocked out. And then Andrade turned around quickly, perhaps too quickly, lost the belt in 42 seconds to Zhang Wei Li on the road about three and a half months later. So Andrade was a slight favorite the first time around against Nami Yunus. Now she's plus 170, Kenny, for the rematch, despite a head-to-head win. What do you think about the second meeting coming up here this weekend? Um, you know, very interesting matchup. I, I think Nami Yunus really was picking Andrade apart uh, in that fight. Um, I hate to say this because it's mixed martial arts, but I think Nami Yunus lost that fight. Andrade didn't win that fight. That was a big mistake on the part of Nami Yunus. She had her... Her first chance, you know, being in that Kimura position where she almost got slammed on her head. You'd think, well, uh, let me adjust things. Let me not put, I'm going to try to adjust things and not put myself in that situation again. She did. She did end up getting slammed again, this time on her head, getting knocked out. Not a good situation. So for Nami Yunus, I think she is going to fight smarter. I think, you, you know, how can you not learn from that mistake? Um, I think Nami Yunus picks her apart from the outside. I don't think Andrade has an opportunity to really get get in on her legs or really strike with her too much. I think she's powerful. I think she's good on the takedown. But I think Nami Yunus is still more dangerous than her on the ground. Um, I, I think Nami Yunus gets this fight back. I think she wins. And I think she ends up fighting for the belt. Um, and uh, I think Nami Yunus is going to look very good. I, I have her winning um, I, I got to give a round, right? Uh, a round in a method or no, 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 I don't. Technically you don't have to. Okay. So. I, I see you're getting a finish in and around second or third round. And I, I do agree with you that Nama Yunus appears destined for a fight with Zhang Wei Li, who really wants that thug rose scalp on her resume. Of course though, and she's got to get through Jessica Andrade, who already has 11 UFC wins to her credit, deserves a lot of respect for putting her belt on the line in China so soon after winning it. And if Andrade wanted to move up to flyweight, she'd be an immediate contender. But at 115 pounds, you got all these former champions. You got Tatiana Suarez. What do you think about the rematch this weekend, my man? 
I mean, it's hard to really best what Kenny just said. I think it Rose, is hard. It's really fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> he really, yeah, you know, it's funny. I always want Flo to lead, so I get a little bit of advantage. But then when he fucking <sighs> leaves me no points to talk about, I just sit here and, you know, just uh, rebound what Kenny said. No, to Kenny's point, though, and really without beating around the bush, Rose beat Rose in that fight. I really don't see where Andrade... I don't know what she's going to do any different. You know, she fights the way she fights. She's the juggernaut. She comes forward. She throws hard. She throws heavy. I think Rose's cardio will be better. And if she makes those adjustments, and it was funny, I said, I was going to say third round rare naked choke for Rose. I do see her getting the finish. Yeah. If Rose doesn't get slammed on her head, she was dominating that fight everywhere. So I like Rose as well here. All right, now we'll need rounds and methods the rest of the way. First of three title fights at UFC 251 will be for the vacant Bantamweight crown. We talked about it a little bit with Ray Longo. Piotr Jan, minus 235. Jose Aldo, plus 195. He can be had north of plus 200 in some spots. So Jan is the favorite. He's 6-0 in the UFC, and he's won nine straight overall, 14-1 the pro record. And how about this? His first UFC title shot comes against the King of Rio, the future Hall of Famer, Aldo. What a great opportunity for Jan to begin his championship era against one of the biggest names in the sport. How do you handicap this title fight, kid? It's interesting. You know, uh, the only person that's really tested Jan was John Dotson when he dropped him in that fight. You know, outside of that, Jan's done a really good job imposing his will and dominating everyone else that he's fought. You know, I think his striking is super crisp. He's got so much power. I think his fight IQ is through the roof. Um, you know, put everything with Aldo to the side, him not beating Marlon Marais. Everyone thinks he won. To be honest, I didn't see what he did in that fight that would put Jan in danger. Kenny and I spoke about this last time. What made Aldo so dangerous was those leg kicks. And I don't think he threw any against Marlon Marais. And if he doesn't throw any here to slow down Jan, I think Jan being the younger guy, the faster guy, the stronger guy, uh, I think Aldo is going to be in trouble here. And and I think the weight cut, even though he says it's going well, how much damage can he take? You know, how, how many right. of those... Jan, if he lands clean, can he really take here? Um, you know, again, Jan's beat Faber, which in my opinion shouldn't lead to a title shot, but I'll leave bias to the side of where I think Aljo should have got there. But I do like Jan in this fight. I, I think he wins. Um, oh, I hate to see him finish Aldo. That'd be such a <laughs> miserable situation for Aldo fans and for his legacy. But I think Peter Jan gets this done with a second round TKO. All right, Piotr Jan, second round TKO is the pick to click for Ian Parker. Ken Flo, you're one of the foremost experts in all of mixed martial arts, particularly so when it comes to your former opponent, Jose Aldo. Talk to me, man. What does the King of Rio have for this Russian boxer that certainly looks like a future UFC champion to me? You know, I think Piotr Jan is a guy that uh, has a lot of knockout power. He's very fast. He's very confident. Uh, and he's that guy. He's not afraid to get hurt, uh, to, to get in there and knock out his opponent. So that makes him very dangerous for Aldo. But Aldo has a tremendous amount of experience. Um, he does have a lot of miles on him. But I don't see Pet, uh, Piotr Jan as the kind of guy who has that same kind of high-volume style that Max Holloway had. I don't see him putting together combination after combination, round after round, and that kind of pressure style like Holloway does. I think he pressures you moving forward, but he doesn't throw high amount of volume. And for that reason, I like Aldo in this fight. I think Aldo, um, you know, I disagree with Ian that uh, Piotr is going to be stronger than Aldo. Um, I, I think Aldo is a guy who was strong at 145 pounds and having locked up with this guy, uh, Aldo is definitely going to be the stronger guy in there against Piotr Jan. Can Jan uh, win that fight? Absolutely. He, he's got the power. He is very dangerous. I think he's going to test Aldo's chin. 
But uh, I think Aldo's experience, his footwork, if he's able to stay uh, emotionally centered in this fight, I like Aldo to win uh, by decision. Jose Aldo by decision. The duck looks like he wants to quack with some sort of rebuttal. I am so happy that you chose Aldo. I think you're still thinking he's the same guy that you went to war with. You know, look, Jan is, you don't fuck with Russians when it comes to their strength, bro. Do you, do you see <laughs> what he does to people? He, he, those combinations he throws have murder behind all of them. You know, I, I, I agree. You know, that's my only thing with, with Aldo is that if you don't chop out those legs of Jan, you're not stopping him. And I haven't seen anyone be able to do that. And that was what Aldo did so well. It made him so dangerous. You took, he would kick the shit. Listen, you have the experience, you know, man, his legs are lethal. And when you can't stand in those, where's your power coming from your punches? Nowhere. So I have, listen, I know you need points. I was not seeing that coming, but fuck yeah. I'm so glad that you took Aldo in that fight. Uh, I think, I fucking love Jan. I think Yon. I think Yon defensively uh, isn't where he needs to be to be a champion in this sport just yet. I, I think he can get there, and maybe he's made those improvements in camp. Um, but I do think he gets hit enough to where Aldo will find his mark. Um, I agree. I would love to see Aldo throw way more kicks, um, but that's a guy who has been in there with a lot of great champions. You look at the guy who the guys who Aldo have has lost to. Um, they're no joke. And, and I think uh, Aldo is so close. He could taste this belt now. I think he's going to be very motivated. The difference is I think Jan is going to be a little bit more determined. I think if things get really, really difficult out there, I do think Jan is probably the mentally tougher guy. But we'll see, man. I, I can't wait for this fight. I'm really intrigued by it. And you guys did a great job breaking it down. But we do need to move on to the co-headliner for the UFC featherweight title. It is a rematch. Between Volko, Alexander Volkanovsky, and Max Blessed Holloway. Holloway was minus 200 as a favorite for the first meeting. Now Volko is minus 240. Holloway comes back at plus 200. Ken Flo, we will have you lead on this co-main event. Who leaves Yaz Island, the undisputed UFC featherweight champion, and how do they get it done? You know, this has always been the most uh, difficult challenge for Holloway is the guy who can land those leg kicks. Now, Holloway is as tough as they come. He always finds a way to continue to move forward and put together his combinations. But we really saw Max Holloway that struggled with being able to move uh, as well as he normally does. Um, Volkanovsky did a great job of utilizing those calf kicks and once you attack that nerve, it's very difficult to step the way you want, to, to move laterally the way you want, to get things going. And um, I think in a lot of ways, being the taller, rangier fighter actually hurt uh, Max in a lot of ways. Now, I know that Volkanovski actually has the longer reach, but because Volkanovski is the shorter fighter, um, I think it, it really confused Holloway in, in how he was trying to punch down and land shots. He just wasn't able to do it. And I also think that while Holloway is a high-volume striker, he doesn't have the same kind of power on his feet that Volkanovski has. Now, Volkanovski can get in the pocket and trade with anyone, I think, in that division. He didn't really do that against Holloway. Uh, he got in. He got out. He utilized a lot of long-range weapons against Holloway. I think we're going to see a more determined Volkanovski, I think, Knowing what he knows about uh, Holloway now after 25 minutes, I think he's going to try to land a little bit more shots with his boxing in the pocket. And I think he's also going to try to take down Holloway in the open mat a little bit more. Um, 
Can Holloway make certain adjustments to make it an easier fight? Absolutely. And the route to victory for Holloway is to shut down those cap kicks. He cannot eat those, and he cannot eat those early. Otherwise, he will be a compromised fighter. Um, I think Volkanovski also can make a lot of adjustments to make it an even easier win. Um, if there is an easy win against someone like a Max Holloway, I do think Volkanovski gets the win. I think he gets it done by decision yet again. Um, I think it's going to be a close fight. It's going to be a tactical fight. I'm really intrigued to watch this as a mixed martial artist, but I still think Volkanovski has some other tricks up his sleeve that he didn't quite use in that fight. I like Volko for the win. You know how nice it is for me to just sit here high as a billy goat in Vegas and listen to you guys break down these fights, and all I got to <laughs> do is tee up? Uh, Ian, it is going to be interesting for us to sit down with Max Holloway in Abu Dhabi to get some more specifics on his training camp and the extent to which it was compromised. You guys are still laughing, but it seems like Holloway really had some hurdles with this quarantine and the restrictions, but we're sitting here on Monday. He's plus 200 against Alexander Volkanovsky. What do you think, Ian Parker? Who wins the co-main here? <laughs> I'm trying to catch my breath here with that comment because I swear I'm watching, you know, both your reactions to each other and my, and John just like, and I wasn't <laughs> sure if he was frozen or if he was just yeah. enjoying I'm the just breeze. You know, mesmerized. It, was, it was so good. You're just, you know, <laughs> I hope yeah. if you're like this during the fights, I swear to God, I'm going to lose it. That was amazing. Bro, um, can you imagine me walking into Sid Yod Tong in 2008 meeting Kenny Florian for the first time? I was fucking shaking. <laughs> there, Jesus. All right. As you were, as you were. Well, now we know you're, well, how you're so super relaxed. Kenny's sitting back and you're stoned as a fight. Yeah. Just sit back. I'll, I'll take you guys to the promised land real quick yeah. here. So, you know, listen, I, I think the way Kenny broke it down again with Volkanowski is, is spot on. You know, I'm a huge Max Holloway fan. Um, I will tell you, I'm a little concerned with some of the things he's been saying. I don't necessarily buy into, like, when Max really take his rematch opportunity with very little training, not seeing his coaches, doing it through Zoom, I don't necessarily buy into that. But the fact that he's even saying that concerns me. Like, since when has Max Holloway needed to play mind games with anybody to kind of throw them off? And Eugene Behrman is too smart. City kickboxing is too good of a, a team overall. And Volkanovski is too focused of a fighter. You know, outside of fighting, he does TikTok videos with his kids. You know, so you know that he's all about that life. Right. At first, I was like, Max Holloway plus 200 is amazing. But right now, how do I not take Alexander Volkanovski with the team he has with the focus? Um, you know, I was all about try to bury Kenny here with that plus 200 dog. But at the moment, until you do your interview with him, John, and I see how Max is during the week, I'm going to go with Volkanowski also for the decision. You know, I think Max starts off too slow with everybody. Round one and round two, if he doesn't push forward and he's sitting on his bike too much and takes those calf kicks, I don't think he comes back in rounds three, four, or five this time because I don't think Eugene Behrman will let Volkanowski do it. So Alexander the Great, unanimous decision is where I'm at right now as well. All right, so you like more of the same Volkanovski on points over Max Holloway. All right, main event. Woo! For the undisputed UFC welterweight title, Kamaru Usman about minus 275, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal plus 215. All right, so Kamaru Usman is one win shy of tying George St. Pierre's record for consecutive welterweight wins. If you know Kamaru, you know how much that means to him. He's 11-0 in the UFC. But he's only defended this belt one time. He was preparing to face his teammate Gilbert Burns. Instead, it will be the legend Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, Ian Parker. Who wins the main event at UFC 251? 
Ah, uh, there's so many questions I have here. You know, has Masvidal been training for a five-round fight? That's the biggest question. Has he been training? Probably. I saw on Instagram he was at Chima in Fort Lauderdale, which, John, if you've ever been there, you, you get the meat sweats after seven minutes of eating that steak. And, and yeah. you don't go there to cut weight. You go right, there to right. cut that and accept the fact that you're walking out of there knowing you ate fillets wrapped in bacon. Um, right. And that's <laughs> true. You know, it really is. I'm con- my concern here is I have, you know, Masvidal's biggest weakness always has been once he's been put on his back, he's had trouble getting up. And Usman is a huge guy at this division. You know, Masvidal, in my opinion, is still a 55er who's had tremendous success just at 170. I think Usman's size, I think his power, and his cardio. He's been training for the five-round fight. You know, as much as I'd love to see Masvidal win, the story, the marketing, the insanity that will happen if Street Jesus pulls this off, I think this is going to be a Kamaru Usman decision. I just see it happening that way. I don't think he's going to fuck around on the feet at all. Um, if he does, Masvidal can knock him out. But, man, I, I wish that this wasn't a short-notice fight for all the reasons why I'm saying I'm a little concerned. But And he's got 20 pounds to cut in six days, which we've seen before. These guys are pros. Masvidal will be able to do it. Yeah. I got here by decision for all those reasons, though. And at least for game bread, the scale does not have to read one five five. Last time Jorge Masvidal fought for an undisputed title, it was the Strike Force Lightweight Championship, Kenny, against Gilbert Melendez, December seventeenth, two thousand eleven. And there are just a lot of people out there that would love to see a guy like this, fighter's fighter, who has spent a lifetime in the game, rewarded by becoming an undisputed UFC champion. The question is, what does he have for Kamara Usman on Saturday night? Listen, I think he has fearlessness on his side. I think he certainly has knockout power. He has an insane amount of experience. He's a slick fighter who can fight going forwards, backwards, laterally. He's got a lot of nice tools to try to get back to his feet. He's got a couple submissions up his sleeves in in the form of front chokes, which I think could pose some problems for Kamaru Usman. Uh, The way that he shifts his stances, he cuts the distance very quickly, and that throws a lot of people off, as he did against Darren Till. He could fight lefty. He could fight righty. All those things that he can do, I still don't think it's going to be enough. Can he knock him out? Absolutely. And if he does it, uh, he's probably going to do it early. I see this fight going one of two ways. He knocks out Usman early or Usman just basically grinds him down until the very end of that fifth round and wins by decision. Um, I think that uh, for him taking this fight on short notice and all the things that he needs to deal with from cutting around 20 pounds to, you know, that long ass flight to Abu Dhabi and I've done it and it is not fun and I've done it sick and it was brutal. Uh, you know, uh, th- that's kind of what it's going to be like cutting weight on a plane for that long being cooped up and then being cooped up in a, in a, in a hotel room for 48 hours and you have to cut weight and get folk, you know, get focused for a huge fight, a championship. This is a lot to deal with, man. Now, yeah, man. It, it, listen, you got the right guy. Masvidal's pretty much seen it and done it, but I don't know. I mean, you look at all those things that he's got to deal with and the fact that stylistically that is the worst matchup and one of the biggest dudes in the welterweight division who has had the luxury of having a full camp. 
for me, it's just too many strikes against Masvidal. I would love to see Masvidal put off, and he can, but I just don't see it happening. I like Kamaru Usman by decision as well. The guy's an absolute savage. He's Mr. Consistency, and he better not get overconfident, though. He better, better not go out there thinking that he can just strike with someone like Masvidal just because he did against someone like Colby Covington. Yeah. Um, he, he, the, the route to victory for Usman is something he has done many times throughout his career. Utilize your strikes to get to the clinch, get him up over, over against the cage where he can't utilize a lot of, you know, speed, uh, and let him carry your weight, shoulder your weight, get him down to the ground and grind him down. Ian, you got something, my man? You're just grinning ear to ear. No. You're just enjoying the content. I didn't say Kenny Florian, ladies and gentlemen, bringing the fucking yeah. heat for Fight Island this week. You know when Kenny's ready for this, he's up in the camera. He's got his hand out like he was reaching for the cage. It's like he was coaching Usman. He's like, tomorrow, get him up against the fucking cage. No, I, I think <laughs> – no, I, listen, this is one of those fights where if I get to the last leg in the parlay and Usman is my last guy, I'm going to hedge with Masvidal and say – Let's fucking hit that underdog. Right. Let's go. It, it's right. just, um, it's an exciting fight. I kind of wish this would have been one of those so that Masvidal took a full camp. Right. Right. It'd be a way different breakdown. Uh, you know, it's just, I have to hate to sound stupid going, Ugh, but it, it's really true. It, I think Masvidal has to throw that flying knee or do something crazy in the first round because Usman will steal rounds with his wrestling and his size against the cage without a doubt. Kenny, you, you hit it on the head, pal. All right, Ian, quick pick on the way out. Intriguing matchup here. Muslim Salikov, the king of Kung Fu, modest 120, taking on Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos, who is the even money underdog. Salikov slightly favored, trying to extend his UFC winning streak to four. Easy Dos Santos has been ranked in the past. He's won eight of his last nine. Just need a winner here. Salikov or Easy Dos Santos? Easy Dos Santos. Dan Flo, what do you think? Well, yeah, you know, I think it's a tough fight, but I'm going to go with Salikov. All right. I like that you guys are split there. All right. We got to get on out of here. Sorry for the technical issues today. Hopefully my man TJ and Cody Merrick can clean it up. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Ian Parker, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com if you want merchandise, MeraukeeBJJ.com if you want to check out Ken Flo's Jiu-Jitsu School. That is live and open. It has been for the past four weeks, I think. Entering week four, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Give or take, week three, yeah. All right, if you want to hit the voicemail line, 857-301-8994, and we will play some of your voicemails after UFC 251 on the program next week. And we'll be back with you probably Sunday, July 12th, the day after UFC 251. With that, for Ian and Ken Flo, TJ Cody, and everybody else, John Anik saying so long for now. Appreciate everybody watching and listening and ordering the fucking merch. We'll talk to you next Monday. Yo, later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. 
Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.